In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. First, I must ask your forgiveness for me not stepping into the pulpit, which I normally would do in this fine sanctuary. It's only because uh, getting over a broken leg has its own hindrances, and I I might not get up the steps into the pulpit, or worse, if I got up, I might not get down. So um, please forgive this uh, liturgical messiness. Although, I've never actually been here at this lectern. It's a pretty good view, and I've always wanted to operate this door. So So thank you for that. So um, anyways, I've I've had the uh, occasion many times, uh, as you might expect, to preach at the ordination of a priest. Um, And the times are... uh, in one sense, winding down. But I've also had 21 years of ordination before being bishop, and I've heard ordination sermons then. And then there was all the time in seminary and actually growing up in the church. So I don't know how many times I've heard sermons on the fourth chapter of Ephesians. Let's just say a plethora. (laughs) And one of the things that seems to be the most notable approach to listening to a sermon or even thinking about giving one or maybe even hopefully remembering one that you might look at this and think, aha, the gifts he gave And so when we get into the gifts that are enumerated in the uh, fourth chapter, beginning at uh, verse 11, we might start thinking in terms of what St. Paul is so good at in describing and discussing and pointing out the value of spiritual gifts. And that's a great sermon approach. And so I'm not going to do that today. (laughs) But please know that it's important because it is foundational to everything else that's in the particular passage. So I wanted to just point out that when we look at this particular reading, there are some really important pieces that go along well with what we have done here today. And I will get to those points, but I I want to talk about a particular translation of this passage, which is slightly different, has the same potency that the new RSV description or translation has, and that's this one. And he gave to the church. Now right there, that's different. But it is in essence true in all of the translations. 
about what is going on in the gifts of ministry. And he gave to the church some as apostles and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And when we ordain a priest, we we get to that part and go, that's what we're talking about. Although a priest can be an evangelist, we hope that you will, you know, try that on. But there's this next line, and I want you to pay attention to this. This he did that God's consecrated people should be fully equipped that the work of service might go on and that the body of Christ should be built up. What a great summary. That God's consecrated people should be fully equipped. Now that's important to recognize because I I want to remind everybody at the beginning of this service today that when we gather there's this great statement about Amy and uh, I get to ask the question that I already know the answer to. (laughs) Has she been selected with the canons in accordance with the canons of this church? And of course, you just need to know, she would not be here today if we didn't already know that. (laughs) But it's good to publicly ask, because it's the work of the church that is making sure that someone coming before the church to be ordained priest is doing so with the pride the sending forth and the selection within the canons, the rules of the church, the Episcopal church in this case, and that she was selected with all of that going on. In other words, the whole church cares. It's not just me. As my former canon to the ordinary used to tell me, he would say, You know, you can say no at any time, but it takes a whole lot of people for you to be able to say yes. That's a good thing to remember. And then when Amy assigned this great piece of declaration, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. And that quiet in the church when she signs, and I'm looking to make sure, then I say, not to her, but to you. Dear friends in Christ, you know the importance of this ministry and the weight of your responsibility in presenting her. Now, I just wanted to say that, you know, with a little more emphasis, because I think very often we neglect the fact that 
she is here at our desire, not just hers. So here's the rest. After the gifts are described, we get this sense of knowledge that these, these gifts that Paul talks about in a variety of places in the New Testament, these gifts are graces rather than human accomplishments. That should make you feel a little small right now. You're thinking, no, no, it's not. I've done a lot of work. And you have, and I thank you for that, and you wouldn't be here without that work. But the point is, it's God's grace continually working through and building up the church. And so we are reminded of this. It's the building up of the body of Christ until all, remember it's everybody's responsibility, all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity. Uh-oh. To maturity. You know, when... Um, we're done today. Amy's going to keep this, take this really beautiful document to the framers, and it's going to go on her brag wall. <laughs> and, you know, I have those too. But hers says this, and it's not just about her. The ordination of the priests... Um, the ordination certificate says this, her name, of whose pious, sober, and honest life and conversation. What a great description. That is a description of someone who knows how to guard the human tongue which creates all sorts of havoc. I think we want that in a priest. And, and we also want the ability of the priest to be able to speak about those things in such ways that invites people to maturity. So, of whose pious, sober, and honest life and conversation, and then the next, then the next is competent learning. We expect, expect our priests to be competent through their education and continued learning. Continued learning. And then it says in the ordination certificate, that which she signed, knowledge of the Holy Scriptures and soundness in the faith. And then it says, we, 
we, us, are well assured that she has that. So even the ordination certificate is not just about the ordained. And then, having in our presence freely and voluntarily declared belief in the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God and to contain all things necessary to salvation. Now, I I don't want to go onto a heavy rabbit trail here, but we could. And so just briefly, what are the things necessary for salvation? I bet we could spend the rest of the day here working that out. So let me just say the simplest and most important factor. God's love. God's love. And a lot of people on this earth do not know they are loved or they have forgotten it, or they have neglected it. The letter to the Ephesians remarks about maturity, that a high degree of maturity actually can be attained here and now. So even though we have grace that God has done, and there's no human accomplishment designing and making the church happen, we still have a part. And the ideal of full Christian maturity is characterized from two different perspectives, a negative side and a positive side. And our version says, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up. Maturity leads to a comparison about being a child and pointing to the hope that we grow up. The term trickery is kind of interesting. It means dice. Dice. And Dice is that which is used in tricks, manipulated so as to win, and then look surprised, oh, I won, again. (laughs) And to make the others suffer. And when we think about children, one of the worries that we have about them is that they would be tricked, fooled, and then hurt. Right? What we want for them is that they will grow up 
and to love and be mature. So the, I read this, this great old commentary that I don't even know who the author is, but he, he noted this great thing, there's two great enemies of ministry. So we should all pay attention now. <laughs> but so should you. Two great enemies of ministry, one is departure from the truth or compromising the truth with a lie. I thought, I mean, this was written a long, long time ago. I was going, that's pretty good. And the other, and maybe most important, is indifference to the lives of the people one is attempting to persuade. Indifference. That means indifference to you. That means indifference to the collegial expression of the church expressed here. And so the truth must be practiced in love. And God gave to the church some as apostles, some as evangelists, some as pastors, so that the members are educated, guided, cared for, so they may become what they ought to be. Mature. Grow up. So that's my uh, sermon for today. And I hope that it is not something that you hear and go, you know, I like the other part better when he just talks about the gifts of God. <laughs> but what's good about the second part of Ephesians after the gifts are described is it talks about what the church is supposed to be doing. And that's why we're ordaining you today, Amy. Because you are being reminded, but your presence is also reminding us of what we're supposed to be doing as the church. And that's another gift from God. And isn't that wonderful? Amen. Amen.